0: welcome everyone you may take your seats welcome everyone to our service i just want to say welcome to everyone who's here in person and all of those who are on zoom welcome welcome i'm so glad that we could worship together uh, today for our scripture reading we're going to be in revelation 19 and so if you want to get your bibles uh, from home or if you're here you get to look on the screen um, i'm actually going to start in verse 6 um, of revelation 19 starting at verse 6 we're gonna read this together <clears throat> from verses six to nine, and uh, we're gonna get into uh, this beautiful, powerful passage at the end of Revelation as we're kind of coming to a close now um, of this book together. And so, if you have your Bibles, we're gonna start at verse six together of Revelation 19. Here now, Mosaic, the Word of God. Hallelujah! For the Lord our God, the Almighty, reigns. Let us rejoice and exalt and give Him the glory. This is the word of the Lord. Um, Coming near uh, to the end of this book, um, I think we've all been blessed by the book of Revelation. Uh, For many of us, it's been the first time we've really been in depth in this book, and it's been such a blessing to me personally. And as we come to the close of this book, we have today and next week, and then we'll be done, uh, the book of Revelation together. And as we come... To the end of the book, we find that there is this wedding at the end of not only the book of Revelation, but the end of the entire Bible. Uh, We have this together. And the weather is getting a little bit warmer, although next week it might get a little cold again, so it's a little bit of a tease. But as the weather is getting warmer and we're getting into spring, it's a reminder that it is wedding season. It's wedding season now, and there are some people in our congregation getting ready for their wedding this spring, and I'm so honored and excited to be a part of that celebration with them, but it's that time. And while it's a fun and exciting time for us, actually those who are getting ready for the wedding, it's actually a really hard time of preparation. Um, For those of you who are married, if you remember that time when you're getting everything ready for that wedding, it was quite a bit of work. Um, It was a lot of preparation that went into it. And when I do premarital counseling with the couples, I always tell them, look, I know that this is a hectic time. I've never seen you this stressed out before, (laughs) and so I know that it's a stressful time, but I do want to remind you that it's all worth it, and it's all going to be worth it because when you're standing up there in the altar and I've seen this up close I've seen couples getting ready for the wedding beginning uh, the preparation and then I'm the one that gets to see them up close because you're literally standing two feet from me during the wedding you're not going to be thinking about the preparation you're not going to be thinking about all the work that went into making this wedding you will be there in the moment and you will be there with your spouse and you will be with the Lord it is all going to be worth it So take heart. Keep preparing. Keep working hard. Keep doing these things. Persevere. Because one day when you're standing at the altar, it's all going to be worth it. That's the message of Revelation. If you stand back and think about it, that is the message of Revelation. And in some ways, it's the message of the entire New Testament. Your husband is coming. Your bride is coming. You are the bride and the husband is coming. And there's a lot of preparation in this world... But one day, it'll all be worth it. Uh, We're going to have a two-part message, actually, on the the wedding at the end of Revelation. And today, I want to focus in on the preparation part, which is a a major theme in the marriage supper of the Lamb that we see at the end of Revelation. Today, we're going to think about the preparation. And we're going to understand what all of Revelation is about as we culminate here. You know, we saw a lot of horrifying things in the book of Revelation. Some of the most horrifying things you see in this book But it's juxtapositioned against this really interesting, beautiful wedding. It almost seems like the two don't go together. Why all of this stuff that's a little bit scary and then this very romantic picture right at the end? It's weird that the two go together. But then when you sit back after you read Revelation 19 to 21, you realize, oh, I get it. All of that horrifying stuff was God fighting for his bride. It was God fighting to get his bride. In fact, commentator Dennis Johnson, I want to read you a little bit from his commentary. He says that everything difficult that you saw and scary that you saw in Revelation was God standing up to fight so that he could get his bride. Dennis Johnson, he says, the consummation of this romance is what Revelation has been about from the start the blood and fire. Locusts and smoke, falling stars and trembling earth, the dragon, the monsters, the scarlet woman, the whole terrifying conflict in Revelation has been about the divine husband's jealous love for his bride. A love so jealous that he will fight all comers in order to have her all to himself. A love so sacrificial that he lays down his life to protect her from every threat enemy you realize oh that's what he was doing that's why the fire and sulfur the blood and the peals of thunder he was fighting to get us back and we have this wedding the grand consummation at the end of revelation and we're going to take two looks at this as we close out the book but again today we're going to look at the preparation a, a bride doesn't just show up to the wedding There's preparation that takes place. There's beautification that takes place. The bride gets herself ready. That's a major theme here in Revelation, and we're going to look at that together. And so today, I just want to look at three things. We're going to look at the wedding. We're going to look at the wedding dress. And then we're going to look at getting ready. The wedding, the dress, and getting ready. And that's going to help us to start to understand what all of Revelation was about from the very beginning. Why don't you pray with me, and we'll look at this passage together. Father, sometimes romance makes us a little bit uh, uneasy. (laughs) It makes us feel a little bit weird. And to think of you as our husband, as our groom, you know, for some of us, Lord, this is a new idea. And so help us as we think about this, um, because this is, it seems like, very important to you. So important that you make it the high point of the end of the Bible that you want to marry us. Father, help us to understand this. Help us to understand this so that we can actually see the beautiful hearts, the passionate love that you have for us, that we're so unconvinced of, that we go to other places looking for this kind of love. I pray, convince us today. Show us who you are. And I pray, won't you draw us near to you? Melt our hearts, because our hearts are a little bit hard. Won't you send the Holy Spirit to help us? In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So first, we're going to look at the wedding at the end of the Bible. Let's read verses 6 to 8 again, and we see the wedding here. In verse 6, it says, Then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters and the sound of mighty peals of thunder, crying out, Hallelujah, for the Lord our God, the Almighty, reigns. Let us rejoice and exalt and give him glory. Here's the reason, for the marriage of the Lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. And this is the key part, I'd like to focus in on this first part of the sermon. It was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen. There's the wedding dress, bright and pure. So many movies, TV series, end with a wedding. I don't know if you guys noticed that there's a wedding at the end of a season finale, um, a wedding at the end of a series finale, or at the end of a movie. And that's because weddings are the very few pure celebrations that we have. And you know why they end movies and TV series with weddings? Because it's not just about the love between the two people. It's celebration among everybody, Everyone. Um, this is not in my notes, but I, 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 love the mo- um, I love The Office, and if you guys remember when Jim and Pam got married, uh, the whole uh, the cast of The Office walking down the aisle dancing, right? It's not just about Jim and Pam. It's about that pure feeling of celebration and exuberance and happiness that they all have at the wedding. Isn't that what makes weddings so awesome, is we all get to party. We all get to enjoy. We all get to be a part of the exuberance of the wedding. That's why there's a wedding at the end of the Bible. It is the pure, high-point celebration of the entire Bible. And my mission today is to help you to understand why. My mission today is to help you to understand this joy that comes with it, the, the exuberance of the wedding, because you know what? The truth is we don't get it. We don't get why there's such an exuberance to it. Today, I want to show you that. And to help me, I want to show you a picture. Um, Because it's hard for me to explain completely in words what this is like. But here is a picture. It's a painting called First Day in Heaven. First Day in Heaven. We'll put it on the screen now. It's by uh, an Egyptian artist. His name is Carlos Safwat. He's an Egyptian artist, but he actually lives in Canada. And he made this painting called The First Day in Heaven. And I love this painting. It's one of my favorites. Because look at her face. Look at her face. Sometimes we think heaven is going to be boring. Sometimes we think that being with Jesus for all eternity is going to be bland. But look at her face. Her face shows you something that I'm having a really hard time explaining in words. The exuberance of meeting your groom, the exuberance of meeting your Savior finally that one day when you will be in his arms. Do you see her face? Her face is a face of somebody who experiences the joy of being saved by grace and then meeting that Savior. Being saved by grace and then meeting that Savior. That's the face. You see, that's the experience and the joy and the feeling of the wedding that Revelation 19 is trying to convey to us. We have a hard time receiving it, but that's what it's trying to say to us. Her face is not a face of someone who earned their way into heaven. That's not the kind of face that you would make if you earned your way there to Jesus, the way that you earned your diploma. You see, when you earned your diploma, when you earned a raise, when you earned a promotion, that's not the face that you made. You were grateful, you were thankful, you were happy, but you were satisfied in the work that you had done. That's not the face of somebody who was saved by works. That's somebody who was saved by grace and is meeting her Savior face-to-face for the first time. It was granted to her to have this wedding. Do you hear those words of grace in Revelation 19? It was granted to her, the bride, the church. It was granted to her to have this wedding. Her wedding is of complete grace and mercy. And if you're here and you're not a Christian, I really want to be clear about that because that's what we Christians, we call that the gospel, the good news, is that we have salvation, we have Jesus, just like you saw her face. We have that through grace and mercy meaning we didn't earn it. Everyone who is here in this worship, whether it's on Zoom or here, none of us earned our spot here. None of us earned our spot in heaven. None of us earned that invitation. We all were saved by grace. That's what sets our faith apart from every other faith in the world, that we are those who were rescued by grace. That is why, The wedding is so beautiful because the first thing about the wedding that blows us away is that we know that we didn't earn the wedding at all. In fact, I wish I had time to get into this, but in the book of Revelation, there's this juxtaposition, this contrast between the bride and the prostitute, the bride and the harlot. And uh, we didn't have time to get into this, but here is the contrast. The bride and the harlot, Jerusalem and Babylon. What the harlot, the prostitute, the uh, Babylon, what that offers you, what she offers you is empty promises. On the outside, she looks tempting, beautiful, attractive. But once you actually get to know her and live in the way of her Babylon, it's empty. It empties you out. It scoops out your heart, and it leaves you totally sad, and dejected at the end. But you know what, many people run to the harlot because of the attraction. That's the juxtaposition. The harlot is beautiful on the outside, but hollows you out. The bride, on the other hand, the church, the bride of Jesus Christ, had nothing to offer, and yet were beautified at the wedding. You know, many of us look for that exuberance that the girl has on her face in Babylon in all of these different places, looking for that feeling. Don't you go looking for it in a million different places, and yet in the end you feel hollowed out, empty promises. The reason why the wedding is so awesome for us is because we didn't earn the fulfillment that Jesus gives us at the wedding. We had nothing to offer, and yet because of the gospel, the grace of Jesus Christ, we have her face. Can we show that picture one more time? I just want to see it. This face is the face of joy and exuberance and celebration from someone who did not earn their spot there, saved by grace. The high point of the book of Revelation at the end is this rescue being completely loved and accepted in this wedding that takes place. The thing that I want to focus in on this wedding today is getting ready for the wedding. You see, one of the things that comes out of this passage is that the bride of Christ is not just supposed to show up to the wedding, but actually there's this calling for the bride to prepare herself for the wedding. And there's this picture of a wedding dress. Um, here. Or it's called white linens, right? But it's the white wedding dress that the church, the bride of Christ, is supposed to put on. And so let's read verse 7 to 8 together. And this is what it says. Let us rejoice and exalt and give him glory for the marriage of the Lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. It was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure. Did you hear that? Granted her to put it on. Granted her to clothe herself with Fine linen, bright and pure. For the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. The righteous deeds of the saints. In Revelation 21, verse 1 to 4, you see this again. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, new Jerusalem, coming out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. The book of Revelation is like, it's a cycle. Things happen over and over and over again. So the wedding of Revelation 19 is the same moment as Revelation 21. It's not happening twice. You're not getting married twice. But in Revelation, things happen again and again and again. And what you see in both is that the bride, whether represented as New Jerusalem or represented as the church here, adorns herself or prepares herself for the wedding. Now, some of you are married, and you remember your wedding day and all the work that it took to get ready. When we get ready for a wedding, the bride prepares the outside of what she looks like. But how do you get ready? How do you adorn yourself to the marriage to a groom who says, man looks on the outer things, but God looks at the heart? How do you adorn yourself for someone who's just looking at your heart and who's not looking at the outer things? God says, the fine linens that I want to see, the wedding dress that blows me away are the righteous deeds of the saints, the heart of righteousness in the bride. You can't beautify the outer self. What I want to see is the beautiful righteous deeds that you have adorned yourselves with getting ready to meet me and the last day. Now somebody will ask, well, you just said that it's not deeds that gets you into heaven. You just said that. You just said that it's not deeds, it's not works that gets you in. It's grace. So why are you talking about deeds? Well, it's not what gets you into heaven. Just like I said, just like your wedding dress is not why your husband proposes to you. Your wedding dress is not why your husband wants to marry you. In fact, your husband doesn't even see the wedding dress until the wedding day. Our adornments are not why he wants to marry us. Is not why he wants to save us. That's purely out of grace. And so why the wedding dress? Why the righteous deeds? Why the adornment? It's for the great pleasure of the groom and the great pleasure of the bride. It's for that look that you see on the face of your groom. A lot of uh, weddings nowadays, we have the first look, right? Where it's supposed to, the wedding dress is in deep secrecy, like it's like an FBI secret. You can't know what the wedding dress is, right? But then before the wedding, you have the first look where the groom turns around and sees for the very first time his bride in her gown. And he turns around and he looks... Now, when he looks, think about this. Does he comment on the dress or does he comment on the bride? There's this show on TV, right? Say yes to the dress. And to be honest, I've never actually watched the full episode, but I've seen my wife watch an episode. And it's this kind of journey, I guess, for them to find this perfect dress. But you know what the thing is? When the husband turns around and looks at the bride... And sees her for the very first time. After all the arduous search that she put in to find this dress, does he say, oh, the seams in that dress, the fabric of the dress, the off color white? Is that what he says? <laughs> no. That would be the weirdest first look in history if he just talked about the dress. That's not what he's excited about. You put in a lot of work to find this dress because he's going to turn around and he's going to say, you're beautiful. You are beautiful. You are a sight for sore eyes. I have been waiting for you. He's not commenting on the dress, but it's her adornment. Look, Jesus is not going to save you because of your righteous deeds, but it's what beautifies us to him. And when we come clothed in the righteousness that he has set apart for us, he will say, you, my church, you are beautiful. That's our reward. Our reward is the joy of our master. Well done, good and faithful servant. Now come enter into the joy of your master. You see, the the wedding dress that he calls us to think about and to put on. Are all of the things in the Bible that you've heard of that he's always called us to put on? Isn't it? In Colossians three he told us to put off your old self and put on your new self. He says things like put off your selfishness, put on love, put off your pride, your prideful heart and put on humility. Put off your bitterness and put on forgiveness. All of these things are what beautify you to your groom. You see, those are the the linens, the wedding dress that he's calling you to put on because that's how he wants to see you. That's what makes you beautiful to him. And when he turns around on your wedding day with him on the wedding supper of the Lamb, it's going to be the humility that you put on. It's going to be the forgiveness that you put on, the worship that you put in your heart those things are going to beautify you to the Lord. It was granted to her to put on righteousness, to get ready for the wedding. Don't you see, that's what all of your sanctification, spiritual growth, it's going to culminate in this moment when he's going to see you dressed in all of those things. He's going to see you dressed in humility, dressed in faith and purity and truth. That's the beauty of this wedding, is that that's really what happens. But it's a little bit different than the way that we do the wedding dress. Again, remember, the husband is in, total, in, the, in the dark when it comes to the wedding dress. In total secrecy, this wedding dress is picked out for us. Um, but when it comes to our wedding with Jesus Christ, it's really the opposite. It's Jesus who has chosen these things for us. He's the one that went ahead and said, I have paid a great cost for this wedding dress. I have paid a great cost for your righteousness. And so put this on. I can't wait to see you in it. Put off your old self. Put on your new self. And this is going to be beautiful on you. Isn't that so gracious? He's the one that went ahead and prepared our fine linens for us. He paid the price with his own blood and gave it to us. And then he's gonna glory in us afterwards. That's called amazing grace. That's called amazing grace, where he does everything all the way through. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see amazing grace. That's the preparation that he has called us to adorn ourselves to the wedding. Brothers and sisters, in this life, that's what we are doing, preparing ourselves to meet our Lord. I want to give you three very practical ways that we can prepare for the wedding, and then I'll close. These three ways are three ways that we see in Revelation about how to get ourselves ready for the wedding supper of the Lamb. And these three ways are three things that he has called us to do and will beautify us and adorn us for that last day. The first one. The first thing that we are to do is to invite people to the wedding. Invitation. Read verse 9 with me of our passage today. It says this, And the angel said to me, Write this, Blessed, are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. The wedding is intrinsically tied to witnessing, talking about the wedding with others, telling people about the wedding with others. You see, when you're getting ready for a wedding, you can't stop talking about it, even if you don't want to talk about it anymore. Some people have long engagements, and they're preparing for a wedding for like a year, and they talk about it, All the time. And even when they say, okay, let's not talk about wedding prep. And let's just enjoy time with our friends for a weekend. You know what happens? They ask you about it. And they ask you about all the details of the wedding. What are you going to do? What are you going to wear? And you're forced to talk about it all the time. You're constantly talking about it. Because the wedding is the biggest thing that's about to happen to you. It's the most life-changing thing that's going to happen to you. And so it would be odd, actually, if you didn't talk about it. It's the biggest thing. That's why invitations are sent out. People ask you about it. It's the biggest thing that's going to happen to you. And it would be strange if you didn't talk about it. Imagine one of your friends, she's going to get married. And you're excited for her. And you ask her, are you excited to be married? You're getting married in May. Are you excited to be married? And imagine that she says to you, look, I don't want to talk about it. I just don't want to talk about it. Wouldn't that be really weird? Wouldn't that make you feel like something is wrong? Wouldn't that make you actually a little bit worried about your friend? Thinking, oh my gosh, is everything okay? Are you guys going to call off the wedding? Is something wrong? Your wedding to Jesus Christ that's coming up is the biggest thing that's about to happen to you. When you refuse to talk about what's upcoming, there's something wrong. When you refuse to witness to your neighbor, when you see the opportunity, when you refuse to share about Christ and the opportunities that he's given to you about the greatest thing in your life, there's something wrong with us. It may be your understanding of your husband. It may be your relationship with him, maybe rocky. But something is wrong. Because, my brothers and sisters, this is the biggest thing that's about to happen to us. We need to be sharing in this joyous event that's about to happen to us. Don't you see what's about to happen to you? When you are married to Jesus Christ, when you enter into this final relationship with him, everything is going to change. The extraordinary things in your life are going to become every day. The once-in-a-lifetime moments that you have of faith in this life that you think about the three times in your entire life these spiritual experiences happen to you, these cl- times of closeness with Jesus happen to you, maybe two or three times in your life, and you keep thinking about it over and over again, that's going to be every day. The extraordinary is going to become ordinary. Ordinary. And that's what you're headed for in this great marriage to the Lamb. And you won't talk about it? There is this call. Blessed are those who are invited in to the wedding supper of the Lamb. We need to be inviting people in to this relationship with Jesus Christ. And here's the other thing about the invitations. If you don't send out the invitations, the wedding's not gonna happen. If you don't send out the invitations, the wedding is gonna be delayed. Now that's logical, right? But in, this, in the sense of revelation, there is a sense where we're waiting for Jesus to return. We are the bride waiting for the groom. But there's also the sense that the groom is waiting for you. The groom is waiting for the bride. Don't you remember when Jesus said, the gospel will be preached to all the nations and then the end will come. The gospel will be preached to all the nations, every single person who's invited in, and then we will get married. We can't do it until the invitations are sent out. You see, the groom is waiting for the bride. The bride of Christ is not complete. There is an incomplete bride in North Korea. There is an incomplete bride in Turkey, in the Middle East. There's an incomplete bride in your neighborhood. The bride is not ready for the wedding. Many are still lost and don't know about the wedding. And that's why it says, blessed are those who are invited. This invitation is a part of your preparation for your wedding you have to send out the invitations. Is it your neighbor who's a part of the bride and he doesn't know? How will he know unless you tell him? Is it your coworker who's a part of this bride, but he doesn't know? How's he gonna know unless you invite him? Is it your family member? She is a part of this bride, but how will she know if you don't invite her? The invitations must go out. That is how we adorn and prepare ourselves for the wedding. The second way we prepare for the wedding is intimacy. When you read Revelation 21.3, you see this desire that God has to be married to us. It's a little bit overwhelming, but God is kind of an overwhelming person. And here is what he says in Revelation 21.3. He says, I heard a loud voice from heaven. Behold. See how many times he says with man. Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. Isn't that kind of like, okay, we get it. You want to be with us, right? We get it. You want to be near to us. You want to spend time with us. You want to be close. We get it. But do you see his heart? He says, I want to be married to you because I want to be with you that's his heart and his desire. That's why the wedding. He wants to bring you near to him. And don't you see that the time that we have right now is our time of engagement with him, where we get to know him and we are with him. It's his time of courtship with us and our time of courtship with him. That's going on right now. And that's how we get ready for this wedding. We need intimacy with our Lord. We need to get to Know him and be close to him. You know, my wife and I, uh, we were friends for a long time uh, before we started dating. We went to the same college, we went to the same church, and we were friends, you know, for a while before we got um, dating together. Um, And when we started dating, it was a whole new thing. You know, even though Hime and I, we had been friends, it was a whole different level of getting to know each other. And um, it was very different and I got to know her in a very different way. Um, And in that courtship time, it was kind of hard because I was in Philadelphia uh, at seminary and she was working in New York. So we're like two hours apart and so it wasn't easy to get to know each other and so uh, we had to really intentionally try to get to know each other. And, yeah, there were kind of big gestures that uh, were done so that we could get to know each other. I'll just tell about what I did so I don't embarrass her. But, you know, I would drive up two hours and surprise her, you know. And she would be like, what are you doing here? And i said, I wanted to surprise you, and I wanted to spend time with you. And so I would do stuff like that. Uh, a really corny one is for Christmas. I made her a book. Um, I, I drew it with crayons. And it was a book that I made, and um, it was kind of our story, I guess, of when we were friends and how we got to be boyfriend and girlfriend and that kind of journey. And um, that's kind of embarrassing, but (laughs) I made myself a bear, and she was a bunny. And it was a story about how we went from friends um, to, I guess, boyfriend and girlfriend. And yeah, that took me a really long time to make, okay? It's really, it takes a long time to draw a book by hand, by crayons, right? Um, But I did that. And so that was kind of like a big gesture, right? To say Merry Christmas uh, to her and just kind of celebrating our relationship. Yeah, there were like big things like that. But actually the most effective thing, the most powerful thing was a very small thing that we did every day. And that thing was called BBM. Now, I don't know how many of you know what BBM is, uh, but it's BlackBerry Messenger, okay? Uh, We were dating at a time when we still had to pay for text messages, and so you had to buy these text message plans, and um, if you went over, you had to pay per text message. Now, that's kind of gone, right? But we had these text plans, and we were very, you know, you had to protect your texts, you know. If you just texted somebody, okay, like, that'd be so annoying because you're going to come to the limit. And then, one day, bam, something magical happened. Blackberry came out with something called Blackberry Messenger. And you could send unlimited messages to each other and not pay for it. And so, it was awesome. And so, every day, we would BBM each other her in New York, and me in Philly. And we would just talk about ordinary things, little things, but we would talk all day, every day. More than the big gestures, me driving up to New York, me making that crayon book, (laughs) what was really effective was the everyday stuff, the BBM. How do we get ready for our wedding? You have to get to know your groom. And yes, the big things are great, but it's the everyday little things that help you to get to know your Jesus before you go and marry him, lest you show up at the altar and marry a stranger. How do you BBM with Jesus? Don't you see that's what your spiritual disciplines are? Don't you see that's what your prayer life is? Don't you see that that's what reading the Bible is? You are BBMing with Jesus. When you read the Gospel of Mark, he is sending you a message. When you pray, you're talking to him about everyday things. This is what our spiritual disciplines are. are getting to know our groom before we marry him on the last day. That's why we struggle to maintain our spiritual disciplines because sometimes you don't want to message your girlfriend when you're tired. But you're getting married. You're becoming committed. You're walking to the altar, and it is your responsibility to know and love her. That's why you read your Bibles. That's why you pray. That's why your spiritual disciplines are foundational to where you are going in the wedding. You're preparing yourself for the altar. We need intimacy with our Lord. That's the second way we prepare ourselves for the wedding. Lastly, not only do we invite people, the invitation is core to the wedding, not only do we need intimacy, but joy. Joy is Core to this wedding. Read, read verse 6 to 9 with me one more time. It says this, Then I heard what seemed like the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters, like the sound of mighty peals of thunder, crying out, Hallelujah, for the Lord, the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and exalt and give Him glory. That is so key to what we are doing here. We need to understand that we are incredibly blessed. Read verse 9 again. It says, the angel said, write this, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. It doesn't say blessed and happy are those who are at the marriage supper of the Lamb. It says, blessed and joyous are you if you're just invited. That doesn't mean hold off on being joyful until you get to that wedding. Be joyful now. Your spot in the wedding supper of the Lamb is set for you. Nothing that happens to you here can jeopardize your wedding. You are set for the greatest celebration of your life. Do not live in this malaise. Have you ever seen a gloomy bride? Oh, there's nothing sadder than seeing a gloomy bride. Like something terrible happens, like maybe the the morning of the wedding or something. Oh, it's the greatest day of her life. And she's gloomy, right? There's nothing sadder. Are you a gloomy bride? Are you like in this malaise? because you're walking through difficulty in this life, don't you know that you are about to have the greatest celebration you could imagine? Is that not your destiny? That is who you are, where you are going because of your wedding. That doesn't mean you always have to be happy-go-lucky people. But that does mean you need to have a rock-steady joy that you protect because you know that you are walking toward the altar to your glorious groom. Mm -hmm. My brothers and sisters, the last way we prepare is you have to protect your joy. Protect your joy because your day is coming. One day he's gonna see you and he's going to say to you, you're beautiful. You're beautiful And, and I think that we will say that we're surprised because he's gonna be looking at us and he's gonna say, I can't believe it. The humility, the faith, the purity, the truth, the heart of worship, you're beautiful. I can't believe you put all that on in your time on earth and you're finally at the altar with me. You're beautiful. For me, I think that I might be a little bit shocked because I would say, you're surprised you're delighted in me. I mean, you did it. You did it. You saved me. You pulled me out of sin and death. You gave your life. You forgave me. You sanctified me. You gave me every grace. You did all of it, and you're still, you're still delighted in me, even though you did it? And he would say, yeah, because I've been waiting for this day a very long time to be married to you at this altar, and to be together. My brothers and sisters, that's where you're going. We need to prepare for that day because he has done all of it ahead of us. And I wanna show you the picture one more time. And as we close, read to you from 2 Corinthians. As I ask you to close your eyes, can we close our eyes and just bow in prayer as we close? And if you wanna glance up at that picture And look at that woman's face because that's a picture of where you are going. These are Paul's words of encouragement as we prepare for that last day, as we struggle underneath our wedding preparation and we feel sometimes like, oh, why am I even doing this? In 2 Corinthians 4, he reminds us that keep going because it's going to be worth it. You're not going to be thinking about it on the day that you stand at the altar with Jesus. Paul says, So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. Your light, momentary affliction, is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to things that are unseen but the things that we see are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. The eternal weight of glory and joy that we're preparing for. My brothers and sisters, I encourage you, keep inviting people to the wedding. Continue to speak about it. Continue to grow in your spiritual disciplines to be intimate with your groom. And finally, protect your joy because you're walking towards the wedding supper of the Lamb. Let's spend some time in prayer together as we prepare to respond. we going to glory in being with you, but the crazy thing is, you're going to glory in being with us. It's hard for us to imagine that part, why you would be so in love with us, why you're so obsessed with being with us, why your love for us is so fiery passionate, why the book of Revelation has these terrible things in it because you're fighting to get your bride. We've never had anyone love us the way that you love us, and so it's hard for us. But Lord, I pray, by the power of the Spirit, seep into our hearts now the love of Christ. It's hard for us to fathom, but I pray, help us to know the height, the depth, the width, the length, the power of our groom's love for us. And once that takes hold, I pray that it would change us help us to be talking about you constantly inviting people into the wedding supper of the lamb motivate us to know you more through our spiritual disciplines through the things that we do i pray help us to fall in love with you we want to be getting to know you more and finally protect our joy no matter what we're going through now help us not to be walking around with a deep malaise and gloominess because we're walking towards an altar of glory. Won't you encourage our church? Won't you lift us up? And won't you give us great energy in knowing that we're walking to an altar with you? In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's all rise and let's give our song of response in preparation for our wedding. Give our gifts to the Lord through our offering as well.